Welcome to the Kindness Rebellion. This is your host, Nathan Jones, uh, and you're listening to episode 10, Decolonize Yourself. In this episode, I have a wonderful conversation with Lisa Young. Lisa's working on a master's degree in social work in New York with an emphasis on macro-level interventions, meaning most of her work will be focused on systemic resolutions to poverty and social injustice. We have a great conversation about how each of us can begin to make individual changes in our mindset and behavior in order to help perpetuate systemic change. Uh, We also discuss various ways of having difficult conversations with people we disagree with and how we can put our energy towards mobilizing people ready for change rather than spending it all yelling at a brick wall. I'm really excited for you to hear this podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe to let me know that you like it uh, and hope you enjoy. Thanks. Lisa, thank you so much for coming on the Kindness Rebellion. I really appreciate uh Appreciate you coming on, haven't you? Yeah, of course. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, yeah. I I, I wanted to start out by, um, uh, for one thing, saying, uh, (laughs) it's weird, but I want to say I'm sorry. Because I think growing up, um, I just, you'd always been so passionate about your beliefs and kind of, um, especially in terms of like feminism. And uh, I know that I just had, you know, I, I just didn't take you seriously. I didn't really see it as valuable. And it wasn't until I started kind of, uh, changing and uh you know kind of opening up and awakening that i found that i actually agree with a lot of the things you've been talking about my whole life so i just have to say that i i I really value your opinion uh and that's why i wanted to bring you on the podcast and uh it's just been really cool to see me slowly uh understand you a lot better and um actually really agree with all the things that you've been so adamant about your whole life so thanks thanks for saying that um (laughs) Yeah, I'm just going, making the rounds around the family, trying to get everybody to apologize to me, but gotcha. we'll get there. <laughs> I'll, I'll spread the memo for you. Yeah, I'll make yes, sure everyone gets you. it. <laughs> thank you. Awesome. Cool. Well, um, I kind of, I wanted to just jump right in because um, yeah. one one of the things that uh, I've been really itching to talk to you about um, is just kind of social justice and trying to make systemic change um, and kind of where to start. You know, you've been a huge advocate for, um, you know, like uh, social justice movements. I know you've been a, um, a huge advocate for like feminist movements and like the Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd love to just jump into that and kind of see what your thoughts are in general on how we can kind of fix this clusterfuck, I guess. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> um, with a lot of fucking time, uh, yeah. probably. Yes. <laughs> as the main things. Um, yeah, yeah. So, sorry, just, uh, just to kind of get some background too. You're, sure. you're currently studying to be a, um, uh, a social worker, right? Yes. Well, I'm doing my master's in social work. Um, okay. It's a very, I chose social work as like a program just because it's such a broad degree. You can use it in Mm -hmm. so many different ways. Um, And my emphasis in my program is in macro social work. So like policy, legislation, community organizing, that sort of Mm -hmm. thing. Um, Because ultimately social work is really just about the eradication of like the study of the eradication of poverty. And so um, it when we think of social workers, we think of people who work in direct services, like one-on-one with people, but I've uh, been there, done that, and I'm good. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it just, it feels more like a Band-Aid on a system that is already broken. So yeah. um, I'm more interested in what are the ways that we can like 
um, rebel and create new systems based off of, you know, not based in corruption, basically. Yeah. 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 I like that a lot. Um, I I think when I, because I kind of took some basic social work classes when I was getting my um, undergrad in uh, psychology. And that was kind of the understanding I had. It was like, oh, I've only really understood social work through the lens of, you know, working directly with individuals through mental health, like they're kind of their mental health issues and things like that. But I I like what you said about it's really just a Band-Aid solution in terms of like, I mean, if you're totally subject to the system that's causing poverty, then how are you supposed to be able to fix it within that system? So I do that. That's exactly. the main reason I actually wanted to talk to you is because of um, your focus on macro solutions and kind of where that's led you. Um, so I guess, you know, that brings me to just my first big question is like, uh, how do we fight corporate power and how do we fight the system? How do we, you know, make big strides in um, helping everyone, especially in a social justice atmosphere? Yeah, that's such a big question. And <laughs> I wish you have to solve it now. <laughs> I mean, the like, obviously, the answer is just like the eradication of capitalism. But like, mm. that's, you know, there's a lot of things to that. And it's, yeah. uh, you know, like, definitely easier said than done. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Um, so one big thing that uh, has just been important for me on a personal level. And of course, everything starts on, you know, interpersonal levels, um, is learning how to decolonize myself, Mm. um, and decolonize my ways of thinking. Um, and a lot of that has to do with also centering the voices and learning from people who are at at all of the intersections of oppression. Um, Mm. And I think when you start there, things start to become a little clearer, Uh, not just because they've already done the work of, you know, being like, this is exactly what we should be doing and no one is listening to us. (laughs) Um, But also, uh, as, you know, white people, we we have um, privilege and power and access to things. And when we choose to remain in a state of like, you know, we don't believe anyone, we gaslight Mm -hmm. them, or we just like, don't understand how colonized we are as well. Mm -hmm. Um, It's hard to think just in terms of how you break down other systems, because it's all rooted in white supremacy in general. Mm -hmm. So um, it really just starts with everyone learning, you know, decolonization practices and working in themselves to better themselves to become just a better person. And I think another large part to that is understanding that the capitalist mindset and white supremacy teaches us that we all need to be individuals when Mm. really we are social beings, we are Mm. community. And when we separate ourselves from other people, then um, we can't imagine a future in which we give a shit about taking care of other people. Um, But One really important aspect, I think, just in terms of like thinking about the kind of policies that need to be implemented or legislation that should be written. I mean, I, I believe that there should be just like, I'm, I'm all for a huge revolt that just like throws over everything, but that's just me. Um, uh, but in the meantime, um, really centering and focusing on any policies or legislation or organizing that focuses on Black and Indigenous 
femmes, disabled people, queer people, like people who are living at the intersections of all of these oppressions, because when you liberate those people, when you provide accessibility, when you provide opportunity and community to those people, everyone else benefits, Mm. right? Because like, if you guarantee the safety of trans people, those laws that protect them to protect everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> if exactly. you work to um, provide services or reparations for, um, you know, the like people living at the lowest levels of poverty, like mm-hmm. that, everyone else benefits from that. It yeah. all kind of branches out, and so we should really be focusing, I think, on those people, those scholars, the 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 just normal people living their life, trying to live their lives, um, but have to face all these obstacles to see what are the issues that are really mm-hmm. like plaguing them. Because mm-hmm. once we liberate them, once we uh, figure out how to eradicate those issues, everything else in society will be better. Awesome. Yeah, sense. I like that a lot. It does make sense because, yeah, you're you're taking care of these people that have been marginalized. So they're going to have a very direct experience with, uh, you know, the system and how to actually, you know, combat it and fight it. Right. Um, one thing yeah. I do want to come back to and uh, kind of just start from is how do we begin decolonizing ourselves? Like most people don't even think of themselves as colonized or even colonizers. You know, they, they just don't really under they don't really think of it in that terms. And so and I I wonder if a lot of times how do I phrase this? Essentially, if you're kind of starting to try to waken up and, uh, you know, understand kind of the social justice issues and all of the things surrounding us in our society, it's, you're often told, or at least I've often been told, it's just like, just do your research, just do your research. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, what does that mean? Is that, is that supposed to be the start of decolonization or like, how, how do we really build off of that and actually become more cohesive? Yeah, I think, um, the, the doing your research is really just a way of saying, please expose yourself to people you've never exposed yourself to. Like Mm. get yourself outside of your circle. Everyone has grown up in a circle. Everyone has like a a community that they know really well and they've only really surrounded themselves with, you know, uh, people who are in their similar background. And and that they're comfortable with. Yes, exactly. Mm. Um, And that's what you kind of understand. I think, you know, a lot of people who travel a lot have a tendency to to try to find these kinds of truths just mm. because they're exposed to different people. But that's not not everyone is able to do that. Not everyone mm. has access or money to be able to travel as extensively as you might hope. So I, um, I also want to point out that like yeah. traveling a lot, it, you're you're in a whole different environment than actually living with those people and actually experiencing the day to day with them. Being a, a tourist is very different. So sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to point. No, that out it's so yeah, that's very true. And I think. Um, you, you would have to be very intentional about the way you travel, right? Like going to a resort in Thailand is different than like, um, experiencing you Thailand. know, like meeting up with people like that live in Thailand, you know, yeah, um, exactly. as an example. So mm-hmm. uh, intentional travel is, is helpful. And I know not, not everyone does that or even realizes that that's an option. Um, mm-hmm. But I also think in that case, if you are limited um, a, a really great place to start is just social media books, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. 
the resources that people have kind of put together, the activists that are putting themselves out there, um, mm-hmm. that you can kind of understand their perspectives, understand their politics. Um, that's the kind of doing your own research part. There are people out there who have curated book lists for you. They have like literal like worksheets and like, you know, workbooks you can buy. Um, it does require effort. It doesn't just happen to you. So it has to be something that you seek out. And I think that that can be really difficult. Um, you know, especially, if we think of it to kind of like change it in terms of like religion, because mm-hmm. um, we come from obviously the same religious background. And yep. when you want people to kind of like open up their eyes, the the thing is they have to want to first. So there are a lot of people just like living in this kind of like brainwashed, you know, sort of mm-hmm. setting. And there is nothing you can say that will get to them until they have made the first steps themselves. Like they crack the egg and then you can Mm -hmm. get in there. And it's the same thing with uh, these sorts of issues, right? Like Mm -hmm. black and indigenous people have been yelling at us for years. (laughs) Like they've been trying to get our attention and have been saying the same shit for so long and we just don't let them in. So Mm. it really does to some extent require people to, I mean, like if they can be exposed to experiences that help like expedite that process, that's great. But um, you have to first just want to learn more or Mm. understand that you know nothing truly. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you're going to have to put in the work. You're going to have to find these activists. You're going to have to listen to the podcasts. You're going Mm -hmm. to have to read the books um, and meet, try to meet people that you have never associated with before. You have to go out of your way to try to figure out how to do that. And so, yeah, I mean, that's a big step for people. That's a, that's a whole lot. And I, I, I like that you pointed out that you really do have to be open to it. And I think there it's not even just religion or like even social justice issues. It sort of has to be with any sort of big change that people really want in their life. They have to be fully open to uh, allowing that. And uh, I I like the whole idea that you have to start from like knowing that you know nothing because you can't just kind of try to open up your circle and try to go and interact with people saying, hey, I know exactly how I should help you. I know exactly what to do. That's that white savior mentality. Yeah. yeah. Um, So that totally totally makes sense. And I, I guess I, you know, I'm trying not to, uh, especially with this podcast, I'm trying not to be that kind of person that's like, okay, I got to force everyone to think the way I do. I got to make sure that everybody is uh, on board and, um, and I pretty much have all the answers, right? Um, It's mostly trying to be open and understanding how we can just try to learn in order to enact change. But um, I guess in a, in a weird way, in terms of like, um, opening up to certain issues. Um, I, I like that you also pointed out to to start on social media because uh, in Utah, where I, you know, I'm still in Utah, so it's a bubble here. Okay. You know, it's, it's <laughs> like if you want to turn off to all of that information and not be open to it at all, it's very easy. In fact, it might even be difficult to have like real experiences in Utah um, where you mm-hmm. actually see these types of injustices that we're talking about. But it doesn't mean that they're not there. So that's something that... Um, that's been really important to me. I think mostly in terms of like women's rights issues, you know, when the me too movement happened, um, 
it was it was so eye opening for me because like I would just see these stories. I'm like, yeah, there's bad things that happen, but you know, it doesn't happen to everyone. And then all of a sudden, I'd see people that I know like using the hashtag, and I was like, oh god, like this is way more pervasive than we thought. And uh, and allowing ourselves to accept that information and understand that it is another perspective and another point of view that we just have to account for in our reality. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, for me at least was like the first step to actually wanting to listen to people understand and then actually start making real, real change. So, um, I like that a lot actually. So, yeah, definitely. I think it's, it's always important to know, and this is part of learning how to relate to people as a community, right? Because, Mm. um, we talk about like the revolution, uh, it's going to be fucking messy. Like we might mm-hmm. all agree that capitalism needs to end, but a lot of people see a lot of different ways of how to do that. And oh, just yeah. because we all have very similar sort of end goals of what we would like to see, it doesn't mean we're ever going to like always a hundred percent agree on what that looks like. And mm-hmm. so I think, yeah, everyone is living a completely different reality at all times. And yeah. when you learn how to like work on, even like starting with close relationships, like yeah. like your friends and your family and just being like, wow, let me think about this. Cause like, I think I know them, but they could mm-hmm. be something's going on in their brain that is like so different from what I'm seeing. Cause I'm yeah. seeing everything from my perspective. And mm-hmm. when you start to practice that with the people around you, um, it kind of, you naturally learn those skills of empathy <laughs> that mm-hmm. you can apply elsewhere. And then as you, you know, learn and work and grow, you're going to come across people that you disagree with. And I think it's just really important to learn how to develop those like, so what, what is it about myself that's making me not believe this person? Or what is Mm. it that's like making me think that they're exaggerating? Mm. Um, What are, what are the blocks that I have that are like, what are my blind spots basically? Mm -hmm. Um, And to constantly make sure that you are just practicing that on in many different aspects of your life, it'll become easier to do when you are in organization, you know, like community organizing settings. And like when you are trying to come together with other people to create like a better community and a better world um, is to just learn how to uh exist in in like a very <laughs> you know oh, damn that sounds hard. realistic <laughs> sense yeah it is fucking hard it's it's really hard because especially for white people it's mm. really fucking humbling it's yeah. so it's so hard to learn yeah. about all the ways that you're privileged and also to know that ultimately you will need to give up your privilege. You will. It's yeah. not about bringing more people into power. It's about yeah. dismantling power. And yeah. that is a very hard concept for people. Oh, and so you have to learn how to do that mm-hmm. individually. Oh, that that's sense. amazing. Yeah, that does make sense. Because I mean, I've, I've understood for a little while now, as I've been kind of moving on this journey of just wanting to change systems of power, uh, it has to come with self sacrifice, you know, as, yeah. as soon as you're kind of offering up this um, ideal that you want to move towards, it has to it has to have sacrifice of your privilege and things like that. Um, yeah. I just wanted I wanted to say that 
I, I love that so much because like the idea of needing to build better networks locally, especially like with our friends and family first and kind of moving out from there, we've actually really been dislocated from that, like probably through social media, um, you know, where if we come in conflict with someone, we're not actually interacting on a realistic basis. It's sort of like, mm-hmm. oh, they said something uh, that I took this way and I got angry and now I'm going to get angry back. And then there's really no, con- there's no tangible consequences of that interaction other than some social media platform is profiting off of us engaging with it constantly. So um, I think that I love the idea that it's just like, if you can start engaging with your community, with your family and your friends in just a realistic way, and then Mm -hmm. taking in those experiences of different viewpoints. And then I love the idea of just like checking yourself too and seeing like, what's, what's closing me off right now? What is this? Is it a valid reason to close off or is it not? That kind mm-hmm. of self-checking is really important. And then lastly, I also just wanted to, I also wanted to reiterate that um, sort of dismantling systems of power, like you said, is going to be messy, not just in terms of like the solution is going to be hard to come by because everyone has so many different viewpoints. But the fact is, is that we're just so entrenched in these systems that any dismantling of it is going to be extremely uncomfortable and is going to require that sacrifice that we're talking about, that sacrifice of privilege. Because, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've just been, I've been hearing as I've been kind of taking in more and more information, just like you said, uh, we can't expect to just bring everyone up to, you know, this sort of level of privilege in power. It's about trying to uh, radically change the way we understand life and reality itself Mm -hmm. so that it's more equitable, sustainable, and uh, compassionate because (laughs) God damn, we need those things. (laughs) Yes. And it's like, it's going to just require a lot of change in us, um, just personality wise, like community wise. And also Mm -hmm. there are things that you're going to have to get used to. Like if we're trying to think about not just a more equitable world, but also a world in which we actually care about like the environment and to care about mm. the planet. It means that ultimately we're going to have to get used to things changing, like maybe not having access to as many, you know, fast fashion clothes or yeah. some, some kinds of foods that are grown that destroy the earth that we maybe mm. shouldn't like be so used to. Like our diets will have to change. Like there are yeah. lots of things that you will have to understand need to change to make the world better. Mm-hmm. And eventually we would hope to get there. And that is going to be extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and I think that's why capitalism is so good at just digging its roots in is because it has created um, a lot of comfortability because yeah. not that it, we know it sucks. And also we it's very difficult to imagine the alternative or it feels scary or uncomfortable. And Mm -hmm. so people just want to figure out how to stay in it. And that's where they're like, you know, the people who are like, we can just reform. And you're like, well, not really because we'll ultimately always come back to the exact same thing because the Mm -hmm. whole thing is founded on, you know, inequality and yeah. And like, yeah, exactly. And Mm -hmm. slavery, like it's, It's it's (laughs) so fucked. And so like in order for that to change, like Mm -hmm. we, a lot of things about our life will be different. And that is a super hard reality and something that I'm totally guilty of it, right? Like Mm. sometimes I'm like, you know what? Fuck, I do want a fucking Starbucks, okay? I know that it's terrible, but like, fuck, it's just easy and it's here and whatever. Mm. And like, that's how they get you, you know? Yeah, it is. And that's actually something I wanted to speak to because like, um, I guess where, so 
I just have a very raw example of that just literally like the other day, you know, I, I just had a really busy day and I was like, I, I really should just go home and make the food that I have there. But I went to like um, a McDonald's and no, I went to a Wendy's instead. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I was just going through and then it was closed most. And it was like something like due to the labor shortage, like, uh, yeah. Wendy's, like we're closed. And I was like, like at first I was like, oh, God damn it. Really? And then I was like, wait, no, this is actually good for me. For one thing, yeah. I'm not getting the food. And also like people are taking back their rights as workers saying, I'm not going to work 24 hours if you're not paying me well enough. So like something that we have to understand as we start to shift, um, some of these changes are going to happen anyways. You know, right. as we see more people just see more workers wanting to just take back power and take back um, their own autonomy. Uh, we're going to be forced into situations where we ha- don't have our convenience and our comfortability. And I think if we can have a mindset shift, that's more so um, when we run into a, a closed Wendy's instead of being like, oh, this is the worst. I hate labor movements now. Mm-hmm. Instead, it's like, oh, man, there are people at home with their families right now. There are people at home taking some mental like some care of themselves um, mm-hmm. because they're not here serving me some garbage food. So like right. if we can kind of see that, um, then we'll actually be able to weather these changes a lot more positively. And I think the like a really important thing that I've been starting to realize is kind of as we're trying to you know get people to listen and change their minds and kind of start thinking more mindfully and sustainably. Um, the scary reality is that a lot of this is coming our way anyways. This change is going to be inevitable. Like it, this system right. is not built for sustainability. It's 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 built for collapse. So we can either you know be building up ways to weather that collapse now and start changing our minds and changing our mindsets in order to be more. Um, uh, not sustainable, but, uh, you know, just durable, um, Mm -hmm. then we're going to be ready for it. And if people, like, if we can actually get on board and get people like really motivated and and excited for change and, and ready to make sacrifices and ready to, you know, build better communities and find more meaning in their life, then we can actually stop the bleeding a lot or much more early on. And we can make the transition a lot less uncomfortable if we're just ready Mm -hmm. to make the changes while we can. But, uh, I, I mean, you, we shouldn't be beating ourselves up too much. Like you said, for getting a Starbucks, right. cause man, it's those, you know, those ads and the, the those companies, they're, <laughs> they're really trying to trigger very, very deep emotional states in order to get you to buy that shit. And they want it as That's available true. and as easy and mindless as possible. So, you know, we're, we're trying to fight a big monster here. Yeah. And also, well, you know, I think that's a good point, especially to think about when you think, when you think of like, Like I don't, if I get a straw for my iced coffee, like I don't blame myself because, you know, most of the pollution in the world, most of the uh, terrible things in the world are due to corporations or the military that are, Mm -hmm. you know, causing most of this. So it's not individual. I don't think that it needs those kinds of big picture things have to be put on us. And also to think about how um, we... There, there is no ethical consumption under capitalism ever at all. So yeah. it doesn't matter in this current system. There is nothing we can do. And I actually say this a lot on my like dating profile because like in my, nice. in my dating profile, it's like reluctant social worker. And people ask me about that. And I'm like, well, there's, there's nothing I can do ethically under this system because it's just fucked, right? So yeah. how can I reduce my harm? Like, what are the things that I can do that 
will like everything will cause harm probably in some way Mm -hmm. in the system but like what are what are the ways I can do a little bit better so like the difference between and this is so small and still very capitalistic minded but like the difference between going to Starbucks or walking an extra few blocks to go to the like you know local local coffee shop yeah or Mm -hmm. like you know um and also like as you're saying like seeing things that you're just like usually annoyed with because we're so used to things being efficient and fast for us and then mm-hmm. being like, you know what? This is fine. This is good. We should yeah. get used to like this, these kinds of changes. Um, but things will eventually blow up for sure. So like we have to, <laughs> we have to be prepared for that. And I think, you know, being around to see things like summer of 2020 with mm-hmm. all the protests and how pe- like pissed yeah. people were getting at how like inconvenient it was for them. And it's like, oh, is that so inconvenient for you? But like <laughs> big picture is like, there's a lot of other shit going on. that's like a oh, lot yeah. more fucking important than you getting mm-hmm. to work on time. Oh, um, yeah. And I think, of course, it goes back to just practicing those things on mm-hmm. your daily intrapersonal levels. Yeah. It will help you to be able to have a bigger um, just like a bird's eye view more, I would say of, of what needs to happen The like, you know, changing our attitudes and our goals in life. Um, and if you really need like the extra push, just like do some drugs. Cause they'll like, (laughs) (laughs) that'll do the trick. That'll do it. (laughs) They'll just make you feel that oneness, you know, it'll it'll help you, uh, help you connect a little bit more with people. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I, I I do like that a lot. I think, um, man, I think it's it's going to be hard. It's going to be there's going to be big changes, and uh, I don't know. It's it's I, I agree. I've I've loved seeing the kind of the global social and political movements that are happening. It was really amazing to see the Black Lives Matter protests. You know, obviously there's going to be an equal and opposite reaction where we have the, the powerful backlash that um, that's happened from it. But I mean. Uh, one thing I've, you know, kind of talked about with my friend before is just the, how amazing it is to see it on such a global scale, especially in terms of like workers' rights, in terms of the, you know, Black Lives Matter is a household term. Everybody knows it now. And, and mm-hmm. uh, whether it's, you know, politically charged one way or another, people are aware of it and they have to accept it into the reality tunnel. So I think if we can just keep that push, like you're talking about where we're engaging with our you know, with our family and friends in a meaningful way, um, instead of trying to dance around the topics all uncomfortably and just, you mm-hmm. know, letting people stay in their bubbles. Um, I think that's how we can start really building meaningful change. Um, cause yeah. um, one, one thing that I have wanted to talk to you about is, um, just how you engage with people, um, in like, uh, in a very conflicting way, because, uh, really up until the past, like maybe, like a year or so I've been extremely unconfrontational. Um, Mm. and it's just hard to, it was always hard for me to kind of actually tell people like, no, I actually think that what you're saying is wrong. And I think Mm -hmm. that we need to look at this a whole different way. Um, I, I feel like you've had a lot of experience with, uh, you know, (laughs) sort of standing up for your beliefs and being, and being confrontational or being just adamant about what you believe in and, and kind of, starting that conversation. I wanted to know kind of how you do that and uh, how it's been going for you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. Um, for those of you who don't know me, uh, a bit of a reputation, especially in our family for that. I think um, it's hard to say because my personality 
is very geared towards not backing down. So it's, it's hard for me in some ways to like coach people on that because I think, I think that it's important to recognize that we have a, you know, that everybody is different. Everybody has different like gifts and things that they can bring to interactions and conversations. And I think there's a place for all of them. Mm. Um, and so it's okay that some people are like more confrontational and other people take it like a slower approach because mm. different people are also going to need to hear it in different ways. Yeah. I am not for everyone. And yeah. that is fine. But you will always have access to my message because it will be out there. <laughs> When you're ready for it. Um, I also think it's interesting because I only appear to be like a total bitch to people who don't know me very well. And then once, once somebody actually talks to me, it's like, oh, that's where you're coming from. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. yes. Um, And I don't, I don't, I'm not very good at getting that across, but I also just like, don't care. Um, You can't, it'd be too, it'd be so much effort to try and care about how everybody sees you and thinks about you. you I think, yeah, it kind of ties back to what I was saying before too, about like some people are ready and other people are not. So like, um, it's, it's learning when is the time to have the conversation? Does it seem like they'll actually be receptive or is this just kind of like, listen, I don't have the time or energy for this. That being said, I do think that all white people and anyone in any positions of power um, need to speak up when they see shit. Like yeah. that, that, like however you do it, whether it's nice or it's mean, you have to fucking say something. And I, yeah. I, I do not believe in going to Thanksgiving and letting things roll like just – you know, like things just happen mm-hmm. and you're like, I didn't know how to say anything. Just figure yeah. it out. Say yeah. something. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, because it's not just that, it's not just that the people who are maybe um, doing or saying things that are incredibly wrong or inappropriate or, you know, whatever. Um, it's not just that they need to hear it. It's that other people in the room who are maybe part of a marginalized group and don't, mm-hmm. they haven't told anyone maybe about their experience uh, or or they're they're just kind of in the shadows a little bit, and they need to know who they can talk to. And I'd say mm. that that is the biggest, um, most important thing that has come out of my being abrasive and known to be very abrasive in my social and familial circles is yeah. that I was the first person most everyone came to when they had doubts, when they needed to come mm. out as queer, when they... Um, felt like there was discrimination going on at work and they didn't know if it really was or if they were sexually assaulted and they wanted to talk about it, but they didn't know who to talk to. And they Mm -hmm. thought, Lisa's really fucking loud about this. So like, she'll probably know. (laughs) And (laughs) um, yeah, and I think that that's important because there are always people that are kind of like hiding and Mm -hmm. you need to let them know that you are safe for them. so yeah, I think those generally, like I'm really excited about younger generations. I think that they are doing a lot more, you know, a lot better shit and like are just being yeah. ra- like, just like being <laughs> raised in a more like 
global mindset, being exposed to so many different things that I, I have a lot of hope for, for younger people. Um, I, to an extent, really have stopped talking to older people who just uh-huh. seem like they're just not going to budge. Like, I don't, I just, I need to preserve my energy for shit that matters. Like, they know where yeah. I stand. So, like, if they want to talk about it, they can come to me. I won't back mm-hmm. down. Um, but yeah, I think I don't have any tips on how to be nice because I'm not, I'm not nice about shit that matters. Like I don't have any problem calling people out. And if yeah. people can figure out a nicer way to do that, or, or they're the kind of people who are like, I'm going to develop like a, a mutual friendship and understanding and like this love, and then I'll talk about it. Fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But like, that's not my style. So you just got to mm. find what makes sense for you. And also some people it's better in person. They're just, you know, they love to have those one-on-one conversations. Some people are amazing writers and they can write mm. shit that gets to lots of people using their platform. Yeah. Um, some people make music and, and different forms of art. Like there's so many ways that you can like express uh you know, where you stand on different things um, mm-hmm. and make it known. And, and I don't think you need to fit any one kind of pattern. I just think it's important to show up in the way that you think is best. Nice. I love that so much. And one thing I also wanted to point out is just because for one thing, you standing up in a situation that might be uncomfortable or, you know, you uh, it's just, you know, going to end up being contentious. And just the idea that you're not necessarily worried about trying to change the thought patterns of the person you're talking to, but the other people who may be listening. Uh, one thing that that kind of meant for me personally is that it's also kind of just changing me in that moment. You know, I'm, I'm actually solidifying something I believe in and I'm testing it in reality. Mm-hmm. You know, you're sort of like actually seeing this is what I believe like this, like let's just move with the present moment and understand how to keep building the conversation here. And then uh, just being also having anyone else that's listening, understand that you're, that you would be someone that's there for them, especially in that, in that space or that topic. It, Mm -hmm. it's sort of, because I know some people will be scared of standing up or speaking up because they might lose relationships. But I love hearing this very apparent trade-off that like, actually you may be building new relationships, very strong ones that are going to be not only extremely valuable to you, but extremely valuable to that person that's like actually open and listening to you in that moment. Um, that helps that's a lot. I, I really thank you because I, I actually really appreciate the the idea that, um, you know, you also have to understand when it's appropriate. You know, there's no point in constantly yelling at someone or like constantly trying to change someone. It's just, you know, you kind of just do what's right in the moment, stand up for what you know you believe in, and then um, mm-hmm. you kind of work with whatever happens after that. Um, I yeah. I really do. I, I appreciate that mindset because um, e- even just the idea that like you're not for everybody, you know, you're for you, you're under, you're building yourself, you're understanding yourself and just yeah. putting that out in the world and seeing what the fuck happens, right? <laughs> Yeah. And, and it, and I think it's important to know that that applies to family too, right? Like, mm. I think a lot of people come from this mindset of like, um, you're, you know, like family before everything and whatever, yeah. uh, like blood is thicker than water. Um, mm. no, like family relationships <laughs> should be like built on conditions. Like love yeah. is conditional. It really is. And mm-hmm. if you can't, um, like, like we can have basic respect for each other, but like as people, but um, if you're racist and I'm calling you out on that and you don't care, 
I don't need to associate with you, even if you're my family member. And I think, yeah, like some people, like they have different ways of going about that. I think it's a stronger stance to say, absolutely not. Like my relationship with you is conditional upon you seeing other human beings as people. So if you're going to talk shit about, you know, um, when, especially when it comes to like racial justice or queer liberation or, you know, things that like people's lives are in the balance. And Mm -hmm. this is like something that you feel like you have an opinion on that isn't Mm -hmm. about saving people's lives. Then like, I don't, I don't want to have a relationship with you. And that's okay. Yeah. And if that, if that notion of blood is thicker than water actually, you know, held up, then those individuals would still love you and still want to relate to you and still be open to your thoughts. Maybe they don't have to have their thoughts and, you know, ideas changed, but they, they would at least be open to that. And obviously that doesn't always check out. So yeah, I, 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 I like the idea that we don't have to hold on to this idea that like, oh, just because I see my uncle once a year and he's my blood uncle, I have to, you know, right. totally believe everything that he believes or, you know, whatever, bend to his will, keep quiet whenever he decides to talk more loudly than I am. Um, yeah. One thing, one thing I actually did want to really bring up with you, because um, I, I think this is this is something that I've been dealing with a lot lately, mm-hmm. is when you are discussing like sort of macro issues like social justice or queer liberation or any, you know, anything like that. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're talking about it with someone who it's both abstract for them and it's sort of an abstract situation for you in that moment, I Mm -hmm. wonder how beneficial it is to sort of say like, I'm not going to talk with you because of the way you feel in this situation or like about this abstract or, you know, kind of thought experiment. I'm not going to now associate with you. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I, I sort of see that as being more divisive than, you know, um, cohesive, like we're trying to be. So I guess I, I, I kind of just wanted to hear your thoughts on that in terms of, can, is it ever okay to say, look, like we don't agree on this, but I, I'll still see you, like we'll still obviously exist together. And then maybe addressing those issues when they're painfully relevant and realistically relevant? Or is it better to just kind of say, look, I, I see you thinking this way. I think this way. I'm just not going to associate with you at all anymore. Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. I think it really depends on what the topic is, like Mm -hmm. what your relationship is. Like, is this somebody that you have no choice? You have to see them every day. Like, and it's beyond your control or like, um, (laughs) you know what I mean? Or like, um, (laughs) that makes sense. Or, and what you're talking about, like, if it's, if you're like, if you're arguing about how taxes should be doled out, like that's (laughs) one topic. Right. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. in that, if another person is like, I helped pay for Kyle Rittenhouse's bail funds i'd be like yeah i don't need to know you as a person like do you know what i mean yeah i think think that's fair (laughs) it's it's just yeah there's there's different topics and i think like i have no problem telling people like especially when it comes to fundamental human rights like Mm -hmm. i am a better person than you because my (laughs) politics and my morals are based in the understanding that every person, including you, should (laughs) have access to shelter, food, clean water, healthcare, like, and all these things that make our lives better. Like, I am literally fighting for you. And all you're fighting is to protect 
billionaires, right? Yeah. If your if your politics are all about protecting property over protecting lives, mm-hmm. like we are never going to see eye to eye because our morals are and ethics are in a completely different place. And yeah. I cannot have a deep and meaningful relationship with you if you don't see people as people. And yeah. they may think that they're like politics, like people who are just like, I don't care about politics when it comes to friends or relationships. Mm-hmm. What the fuck? Like, yeah. unfortunately now, politics are almost exclusively about like people's rights. And that's like the thing that's frustrating is that Mm -hmm. when you see people that you grew up loving saying things or doing things that you're just like, damn, like you, you are not connecting dots very well. Mm -hmm. Like I can understand on one level, you, you seem like a good person because you care about those in your immediate circle but it just shows such a lack of anything else to not be able to want to care about people down the street or yeah. on the other side of the world. Yeah. Like it's, I think there's, you were saying like creating like a community, you know, or just mm-hmm. like, we're trying to get everyone to come together. The thing is we won't get everyone together. Mm-hmm. That's not possible. It yeah. be, there's too many people too far gone. Yeah. And you know, the Fox news people of the world, like it's, Unless there's something that can help them see or we're able to take down the like things that I honestly just think are totally illegal that like Fox mm-hmm. News like, exists and says the shit that they're allowed to say. So <laughs> like until we are able to dismantle the issues that even create populations of people who are so far gone, mm-hmm. um, it's I think it's more important to just move on. So like, this is a, (laughs) I said this in one of my classes once, actually, I got in a fight with the professor because she was like, she was like an older woman and she was saying something about, um, how she was more of like a reform person. Like people Mm. get better with time. Like, like we all, like we're always evolving. So people event, you know, we'll get better and better. Look how many rights that we have now as compared to in the sixties, whatever, mm-hmm. which honestly, depending on who you are, it hasn't changed that much. Yeah. But, um, I was just like, you know, she, I was like, no, we need, we need a whole revolution. Like we, everything yeah. needs to change. And she was like, well, I mean, like, where do you think we start with that? And I was like, all of the old people in politics need to just quit or die. I'm not kidding. Like that sounds so harsh, but like we can't progress as long as you're in the way. So if you're always going to be there, like we're always going to keep fighting for the things that um, will protect the planet and protect us. Mm -hmm. And if you're not going to get on board, we don't need you to, we will just keep going. Does that make sense? Like, I, yeah. I think that 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 really does answer my question because I mean one of the things that I was sort of like loading that question with was like um, well if you have to be in you know like you said if if it's someone you just have to see every day um, or something like that 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 obviously makes it way more pressing to actually learn to cooperate and put the energy to coordinate with them in your immediate environment whereas right. if it is somebody who you just like you disagree with on very um, large scale macro um, topics and you never associate them with them. What's the point of the, putting so much energy into trying to change their mind or trying to connect and like mm-hmm. uh, become cohesive with them. So um, 
because I, I like that. It sort of, it really helped reframe the entire situation for me because it made it, it made me understand that we really only have to try and put the energy to make people understand and uh, like work with them if there is an external reason to do so, if they're mm-hmm. actually working in our immediate environment to make systemic change um, or like we just have a shared threat or something where we actually mm-hmm. have to work together to make these changes, then that's when you want to focus on being more cohesive and less divisive. But I, 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 I that's making more sense to me now. I can see where it is more meaningful to say like, no, this is what I believe um, you like you saying this is actually harmful to people and there might be people in this room right now who are actually being harmed by what you're saying. Mm -hmm. And we can either bicker it out for like another 20 minutes and neither of us are going to change our minds. Or I can just state that so that I make sure that everyone else in the room understands that like you are safe with me. We we can actually Mm -hmm. weather this together. And if, and then this person that you're talking to, if they're not going to agree with you, so be it. We're going to move on without you. That is what it is. Um, that that helped a lot. I actually really appreciate you kind of clearing that up there because, you know, I, I, I would sort of tell myself like, oh, we can't be divisive. We can't ever be divisive. We need to always be, you know, unifying and trying to be cohesive. And that's just not always going to be a po- going to be possible because you can't force mm-hmm. people to agree with you. You can't force people to see the way that you're seeing. So it's just it seems like it's just about being honest, open and then moving forward. Yeah, there is no compromise on human rights. So like, (laughs) I like I can't I can't find unity everywhere. Right. Like, and I think, I think there are skills or like you can notice I like I know for me, especially with certain family members or people who from my past who've tried to come out and they try to spar with me. And sometimes I'm like, are you trying to spar with me because you're secretly looking for answers and you're hoping I'll like give them but you're doing it in a way that's kind of like, distant. I mean, sometimes you can like, (laughs) yeah, like sometimes, sometimes people are trying to like test themselves through Mm. me. Does that make sense? Like, it's like they're having an argument, but they need me to act as the devil's advocate for them. And I, I can kind of recognize that behavior and it makes me want to engage with them because I'm like, there, there feels like there's potential here. Yeah. But like, it might take a little while. I'm not going to back down, but I'm also like, it sort of seems, in, it seems just intriguing at that point. You're like, yeah, yeah. You're like, you're oh, like, why do you keep wanting to talk to yeah. me about this? Like, why are you so obsessed with me? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That might be what I'm doing right now with this podcast, but. Uh... There you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's so awesome. I appreciate you uh, covering that and, and honestly being on the podcast in general. It's It's been super cool. Um, yeah, we are getting close to the end of it, but I do want to open a whole other can of worms before that because right. I've been dying to talk to you about like <laughs> um, sort of patriarchal structures and how and what overcoming patriarchal structures looks like to you. Because I mean, obviously when, if you try to understand that on the internet it's either something very abstract or nuanced like yeah we like we just want equal rights well what does that look Mm -hmm. like and then it's like or it's someone being very um uh i'm missing the word right now they're they're trying to exaggerate the other side of the argument saying oh we just want to totally restructure this as a matriarchal society instead of a patriarchal society you know Mm -hmm. so uh, i kind of wanted to see what overcoming those structures looks like to you Yeah. I mean, I would say that, again, going back to centering people at the intersections of oppression is that Mm -hmm. um, is to center 
queer voices in this because um, we like to talk about issues with like feminism as like a man versus woman, but there are Mm. more genders than that. And there are people who are women, but are treated much differently, even beyond what cis women are because they're trans, right? Yeah. Like they're, I'd say that it's really about the liberation of like mm. trans and non-binary people getting rid of the the gender binary so that we don't have to think in terms of like men deserve this and women deserve this or whatever. Mm. Um but to recognize that it does require a restructuring of just how we think about gender mm-hmm. in general. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately, though, straight cis white men <laughs> mm-hmm. hold a lot of power. Yeah. Even, even if they keep saying like, yeah, but I didn't grow up rich. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, that's an extra layer. But there's going to be a lot of things there, again, that they, like, sit, like straight cis white men need to learn how to give up. You mm. have to give up power. I, I think a lot of people misconstrue feminism as wanting the power that men have, but it's yeah. it's more about restructuring what that looks like and sharing mm. the wealth, like yeah. sharing the power. So, like, yeah. we – and also – in capital, in the capitalist mindset, we think of everything in a hierarchy, and that's mm-hmm. not the point, right? We're trying to decolonize that mindset as well. So, um, it's really just trying to think about, just challenge ourselves about uh, our roles in society, like, mm-hmm. um, de- like you know, deconstructing the gender binary, you know, mm-hmm. and all that kind of uh, work, and it's really uncomfortable and it's Mm -hmm. difficult and I think a lot of people have like a lot of issues with that and and it requires a lot of like self-reflection at the kinds of things that you perpetuate in yourself and with your friends and even you know I think it even starts with just changing the language that you use uh with people and um not always assuming people's gender and just being really like open to things that you've never heard of before that you're like, now I'm just trying to like learn more about this. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's so many amazing like activists out there that are really like doing the work and like, uh, lots of, you know, education that they're just putting out there for free, um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that you can kind of like learn about, which is great. But, um, I do think of like to, especially in terms of like talking about power and like what you do on an individual level, there's this one tweet that sticks with me. I like have it in my phone somewhere. I saved it because I just loved it so much. But Mm -hmm. it was basically like every, every woman, and this is going to be in a a binary construct because they say men and women. Uh, So I apologize in advance for that. But it says like, every woman knows someone who's been sexually assaulted, but miraculously, no men know a man who sexually assaulted somebody. And when you think about that, (laughs) the fact is you do, you know, someone who has hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. And what are you doing in those privileged, you know, especially cis, white, straight men circles? What conversations are you having with each other? Because like Mm. queer people and femmes can like yell at the top of their lungs about all these injustices or things that need to change. Mm -hmm. But 
the point of the patriarchy is that they're not listening to us. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and they're the ones with the power. So and like those viewpoints aren't really being accepted into the circles. Right. So what are you place. doing to challenge each other? Like, mm-hmm. what are you doing in your private conversations to say, like, do I have friends that do that? Do I know people like that? Am I calling anyone out? Am I like noticing behaviors? Am I hearing them say shit about trans people? And I'm not saying anything about that or like, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Little little things like that that I think can be uh, that need to start happening again to bring it kind of back down to the interpersonal, mm-hmm. you know, level. Like, what are we doing with each other that is going to decolonize uh, or reframe our minds as we relate to each other? Mm-hmm. And then when you start to adapt to that new sort of mindset really everything in your life changes. Like it may mean that you lose friends, but you gain even better ones. Like a lot of things will, will change. You'll start to see the world differently and you'll start to just like learn how to be just a more loving and accepting person. And I think it just, yeah, it comes down to like looking at, looking at yourself. What are Mm -hmm. you personally doing? And, uh, yeah, I hope that answers the question. It does, yeah, because um, it it kind of br- it brings it back to like what we were talking about, where it is about starting with yourself and starting to just understand yourself and how these you know big situations, abstract concepts, directly relate to us, um, and and that does make a lot of sense. Because I mean, you know, as a white male, you know, as this white male, growing up, it was it was in it's interesting to look back now and see how I would talk with my male friends um, in our circles, as opposed to um, whenever we had, you know, a female in the, in the circle and, uh, and then even just talking how I deal with everyone now, like it is, it is so easy for me to have a, a group of friends who's, you know, just mixed genders where, and not feel like, or not be changing my behavior mm-hmm. or how I'm talking. Um, whereas I don't think I could say that for when I was a, a young kid, you know, it was, yeah. it was just this, these kind of circles of, I don't know, definitely like male dominance and sort of like a, just, a, it was easy to kind of throw away any, any people's really humanity, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like it was easy to just kind of objectify people, specifically women. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I can see that change now. And, um, and I, I think that is very valuable to kind of understand and be awakened to when that's that's still happening because it's not like that that just like immediately stops or just you know wears off or whatever it's something we have to actively seek to change um i guess the the main thing i had that i was trying to understand through uh, my question of you know overcoming patriarchal structures is whether mm-hmm. it sort of requires like Based on the way you answered it, it sort of sounds like we just have to have a non-local understanding of gender, gender roles, um, of, you know, human beings in general. And we have to stop understanding uh, like, okay, this is all what men should do. This is all what women should Mm -hmm. do. This is all what non-binary people should do. This is how Mm trans, this is what trans people should do. This is how they should behave. This is, you know, kind of it. We just need to stop mm-hmm. having these very rigid structures about what people need to be doing or behaving like and just allow ourselves to be present with whoever we're with and be open to learning from them is what it sounds like. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how it is with like anything. But I think it's mm-hmm. like, I think, yeah, it's like, who are you exposing yourself to? Who are your friends? Are they all the same? Like, mm-hmm. 
Are, are you are you even trying to like meet new people and find new experiences? Are you trying to put yourself out there to learn? Um, and and yeah, and I think as you do that, like it's just it's gonna be a lot more just like go with the flow. Like you're gonna yeah. stop giving a shit about people's yep. sexuality or gender. Like it's not mm-hmm. gonna matter because you start to see people for like who they are, and also like their gender or their sexuality on top of that is like just a facet of what they are, but it doesn't oh, yeah. say anything about them. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, um, yeah, it, I, it's just it, it, like it frees yourself. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think I... queer people are, are they teach us the most about self-love because they mm. just live in a world full of hatred for them for just existing. Yeah. And then to just do that like loudly, like they're the people we should be looking to, to learn about how to like take care of ourselves yeah. and also other people. Um, mm. And I think when you start to, you know, see people at these intersections of oppression and marginalization like that, then you're just, it, it just transforms everybody out from there. Yeah. Um, and that's I think actually, that's important. That's really interesting. I, I, I like that a lot, Speci- specifically just the idea that like, you know, their gender or um, just really any part of their identity that we're sort of forcing uh, or that society is sort of forcing them to not only just identify with, but like wholly become like that's like mm-hmm. all they are and that's all they'll ever be. But like you said, these people obviously have an inner life that's so much more than just their gender expression or their sexual mm-hmm. orientation. That's just a part mm-hmm. of who they are. And they've been forced to, um, you know, rigidly stand up for it and, you know, be loudly advocating for themselves just to prove, hey, I exist. And you're forcing me to sort of accept this as the complete part of my identity when obviously there's so much more to me because I'm a human being. Um, that I think that really helps reframe it a lot because, um, I think by forcing people into, you know, choosing sides on any sort of gender identity or sexual orientation issues, um, it, we're actually just really reducing them as a human being. Like we, we should allow them to be just their free uninhibited selves. Like they can just be a free human being and, ex- and experience life just like we are. And then mm-hmm. if we do ever come in conflict on something, we can address it. And that, that can be the basis of our conflict, not some stupid abstract concept that, co- that society's forcing us to focus on. Um, yeah. I mean, if you're just going to come into a situation with just like ideas about how that should be, like you're never mm-hmm. going to get anywhere, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know, I do want to clarify, though, that, like, it is, I I don't want it to be, like, what we're talking about to be confused with people being, like, it's fine if you're gay, but don't just be that gay. You know, like, you'll hear that, right? Like, you don't need to, like, you know, get on a pride, like, float and do your thing or, like, um you don't need to flaunt it in my face. And like, mm-hmm. there is nothing wrong with ex- like having yeah. your sexuality or your gender expression be a very important part of like your life experience. Yeah. And I think that like, it actually would free straight people up like a lot more if we were like, just more open to about that kind of stuff. But like, yeah. technically it's like, like we're like, we're allowed to see straight people as, you know, sexual beings in in their own way, but like Mm -hmm. not, we don't want to see it if other people are doing that. Um, and I think it's like, yeah, it's, it's definitely about being like, okay, you don't have to reduce everyone down to their genitals. Like that's Mm -hmm. stupid. Um, and also, uh, gender expression or sexuality is important. 
and mm-hmm. it should be freed. It should be, it shouldn't be in the, the constraint, like the constraints that like other people want to put on it. Yeah. Um, as long as it's, you know, like healthy, everyone's having a good time, like, and yeah. you know, consensual yeah, exactly. or whatever. Um, <laughs> Thank you yeah, for clarifying and, that. Yeah, that is know. really important. I, I I wouldn't ever want anyone to think that I'm like, yeah, you, you can be gay or you can be trans. You just don't be like too much or whatever. Like, just be yourself. Exist. Be have a human yeah. experience, and it's my responsibility to to integrate with you on that level. Because as long as you, as long as everyone is ex, is just kind of relating to each other on the uh, the fundamental basis that we're all human beings having a human experience, just existing in reality and trying to understand each other then we're going to be a lot better off instead of saying like hey you're being too much this too much that not enough this not enough that so thank you for clarifying that i I appreciate it of course yeah i mean we don't want to be cops so like (laughs) that's the point that's like that's the the fundamental line yep a cab all day every day and so like you can (laughs) be and you can also be a cop in a way right Mm -hmm. like there are ways that we try to police other people that mm-hmm. you're just like, can you just stop? Like, yeah. <laughs> just, just don't do that. And like, <laughs> and I if, think that that's, uh, that's, you know, kill the cop in your head. Like that's really um, important. If, th- if that's the only thing anyone gets from this podcast, I'll be fine with that. Just <laughs> don't be a cop. That's the <laughs> bottom line. Stop being a cop. Okay. <laughs> awesome hey lisa thank you so much uh we're gonna go ahead and just wrap this up um this has been an awesome conversation and we've really only scratched the surface on all of these issues um if you're willing to be on the podcast again i'd love to have you again um because this has been a lot of fun and yes now i got it on video and camera too so you can't can't back down from that (laughs) awesome okay thank you so much thank you